The reading today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from reading from verse 12. Um, yeah, it should be on the screens and then in your pew Bibles as well, if you want to grab them from there. So reading from verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in, placed the, parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, and that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. May the reign of his word be a blessing to us all. Will you pray with me, please? Now, Lord, may I decrease, may you increase. May you speak to us through your holy word. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. If I were to stand up here this morning and be honest, I would say that I am nervous. I have been looking forward to this Sunday for a long time, but being from across the pond and being from the United States, speaking a little different, um, I'm nervous. And as I was reflecting and praying and thinking through what to say this morning, I actually am also comfortable. And here's why. It's because we share a common heritage. We really do. There's going to be a picture come up on the screen of my hometown. And I grew up not in Florida. I'm originally not from Florida. I'm originally from Eastern Kentucky. I grew up in the heart of Appalachia. And Appalachia, as you see right here, is breathtaking. It's beautiful. And when we were hiking uh, the morn on uh, Tuesday, when we were in Tollymore, I sincerely felt like I was at home. Because the same beauty that I saw on Tuesday is very similar to the same beauty I saw growing up, hiking in those mountains, playing in those mountains. And believe it or not, a lot of Appalachia was settled by the Scots-Irish. 
So when I chase my family heritage, whether it be on my mom's side or my dad's side, there are lots of Scots-Irish included in my family tree. And I don't think that it's any coincidence that when so many of the Scots-Irish sailed across the Atlantic and made their way to what would eventually be the United States, they would settle in Appalachia because Appalachia looks a lot like Ireland. It really does. Even the music that I grew up listening to, otherwise known as folk music, is not that far from the same Irish folk music that is known across this land today. So believe it or not, if we chase our heritage or our family tree way, way back, we might even be related. <laughs> so I just I celebrate the beauty of Ireland and of Northern Ireland. I celebrate the beauty of home. And again, I think there's something there that we share. I think we share our heritage and also think that we share just an appreciation and a deep love of nature. But there's something else that we share. And as I stand up here today and we prepare to talk about what does it mean to be us? What can I possibly across, from the Atlanta, across the Atlantic from Florida teach you about what it means to be us as Karn Bunny, right? This is us. Well, I want to say this. Us is we. Okay? Us is we. And not only do we share a common heritage, I also believe we share this. We, us, are made alive by the Spirit of God to be part of the body of Christ so that we might care for one another. We, us, are made alive by the Spirit of God to be part of the body of Christ so that we might care for one another. Now, you heard Dan read just a few moments ago from 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to go back and read verses 12 through 14. So if you have your Bible open, go ahead and read it along with me. But the first thing that us share, that we share, is we are made alive by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, Man City or Man United, Liverpool, Crystal Palace, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but of many. Paul, in his teaching, and when he would preach, he would repeat things to get a point across. And in verse 13, he says, we're all baptized by what? One spirit. He also says in verse 13 that we were given one spirit to drink. What is something that we share this morning? What is something that us shares this morning? We share, us shares, the Holy Spirit. So whether we are in Carn Money or whether we're at First Presbyterian Church of Ireland or whether we're at a small church in eastern Kentucky, we all share the Holy Spirit. Now, the question then is, why is the Holy Spirit important? I know, I think last, not the last sermon series, but the sermon series before last, uh, you went through uh, different texts and, and different parts of Scripture talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to re revisit some of what you learned why is the Spirit so important to us? 
We hear the word of the Lord from Ezekiel 37, verse 14. The Lord is telling his people, who at this time were depressed and cast out of their homeland. The Lord said, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. What did the Lord tell the Israelites in captivity? He says, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. Hear the words of Jesus from John 6, 63. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. What did Jesus say? The spirit gives life. Hear the words of Paul from 2 Corinthians 3. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. What do we see here? Ezekiel 37, the Spirit gives life. John 6, the Spirit gives life. 2 Corinthians 3, the Spirit gives life. Why are we, brothers and sisters, you worship at Carn Money, I worship in Orlando, I grew up in eastern Kentucky, how can we come together and say that we're part of the same body? It's because, brothers and sisters... We share the same spirit. We share the same spirit because the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who is us? This is us. We are people of God who share the Holy Spirit. In preparation for today, I've been watching your services online. And one of the first things that jumped out at me was how passionately you worshiped. And it was a blessing to experiencing it, to experience it just a few moments ago. And as I was watching you online, I would then go to First Presbyterian Church of Orlando and I would participate in the worship there. And there's something that I want us to know today. Whether again it be in Florida or Carn Money or Eastern Kentucky, there's the same passion, there's the same focus, because there's the same spirit. There's the same passion, the same focus, because there is the same spirit. Who are we? This is us. We share the Holy Spirit inside of us. So the Holy Spirit makes us alive. And the reason that the Holy Spirit makes us alive is so that we can be part of the body of Christ. Again, hear the word of the Lord from 1 Corinthians 12. Scripture says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Again, in verse 12, Paul says, many parts but one body. He says, to form one body. The body is not made up of one part but of many. We are the body of Christ today. He said this in verse 17. Now, you are part of the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. Who is us? This is us. Whether it be in Carn Money, Orlando, or Eastern Kentucky, we not only share the Spirit, but we are all part of the body of Christ. 
And through his repetition, talking about the body time after time after time, Paul is emphasizing that each of us, regardless of who we are, what role we might play, or where we are from, we have an important role in the body of Christ. You know, Paul wrote, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were all given the spirit to drink. And what Paul was speaking against here is when Corinthians was written, the Roman government had a social caste system where some people were very important and some people were not important. Gentiles were more important than Jews when it came to the Roman government. Free persons were more important than slaves when it came to living their lives. But what Paul is saying here is under the cross of Christ, under the Holy Spirit, there is no Jew or Gentile. There is no slave or free. There is no Irishman or Irishwoman and an American. When Jesus looks at us, he sees that we are all part of the body of Christ. And it's a very diverse body. I can stand up here this morning and speak funny. My accent is different, right? I can hear you talk and your accent is different than what I say. Some of you are tall. I've always struggled with being short. Some of you have red head. Some of you do not. One of the things that my daughter Natalie was excited about in coming over uh, to Ireland is that people here have red hair. She has red hair, which is not very common in the States. So old women at church will walk up to Natalie and literally start playing with her hair. And she'll turn around and be like, excuse me, that's not yours. <laughs> but I hope you see that regardless of where we're from, what we look like, what our background might be, we are all part of the body of Christ. And I love what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12 here. In verse 18, he said, but in fact... God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I want to read that one more time. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. What that means is, no matter how insignificant you think you might be, no matter how unimportant you think you might be, that's not true. If you are part of the body of Christ, you are extremely important because Scripture tells me that he has you where you are for a specific reason. You were not redeemed to sit on the sidelines. You were not redeemed to sit on the sidelines. I want to ask you to imagine something. All smart people are Man City fans. So I want you to imagine going to a Man City match, okay? Stay with me here. I know some of you are praying for me now. <laughs> I, want, I want you to imagine going to a Man City match. You've got your light blue on. You're excited. And you look out on the field, and four or five of the players decided that they wouldn't play that day. And you paid money to watch them play. Now, how would you feel if you showed up to a Man City match? or whoever your favorite football team might be, and you show up and half the team is not playing, is it going to be as fun as you thought it would be? Are you going to soak up the match like you would if your favorite soccer football star <laughs> was playing? No, you wouldn't enjoy it because that's not why you went. You would go to a match in order to see the great athletes play. 
Well, the same happens when we sit on the sidelines of this thing called the body of Christ. When we do not play the role that Christ has shaped us to play, when we do not play the part that he has asked us to play, he's still going to accomplish his will because he is God, but he wants to use us to accomplish his will. He wants you to play your role in the body of Christ so that when the world sees the body of Christ, they see something beautiful. And please hear me say this. According to what the Lord says in chapter 18, the only person who can play your role in the body is you. The only person who can play your role in the body is you. And when you do not play the role that he has called you to play, man, the body of Christ is not as beautiful as it could be. And I know that sometimes we feel like we're not capable enough. Sometimes we feel like maybe we're too old. It's time for us to step aside and let someone else participate. Hear me say, if you have breath, If you are part of the body of Christ, you have a role to play. In my role at First Presbyterian Church of Orlando, I joke about how, you know, if if you see me, there's probably something wrong in your life. But it is such a joy, and I know that sounds kind of twisted, but it is such a joy to walk alongside people who are hurting. Because it's the church coming alongside those who are hurting, how that hurt is redeemed. It's the church coming alongside those who are grieving, how that grief is redeemed. I'm going to give you a real-life example of how this happened in Orlando at First Pres. So we have a ministry called Holy Stitches. And every other Friday, what happens is we have a group of women who mostly are over the age of 75. They literally come together and they stitch shawls, S-H-A-W-L-S, for people they know that need prayer. So they stitch these shawls, and and after they're done with these shawls, they find somebody in the community who is hurting, and they literally pray over these shawls, and then they send these shawls to those who are hurting as prayer shawls. And what these people will do is they'll take the shawls once they're received, and some of them will wrap themselves around them uh, as they are going through cancer treatment. I know of one man who lost his mother. He found this shawl in her uh, belongings, and he started wrapping the shawl around himself as he was praying for his family after his mom passed, well, little did he know that Holy Stitches made this shawl for his mother so that this shawl could be a prayer shawl for her. Now, here he is praying for uh, his family using that same shawl. But here's the really, I think, amazing part. When the war started in Ukraine, the group of women that are part of Holy Stitches came to our staff. They came to me, and they said, how might we be able to support the men and the women who are suffering in Ukraine. And they asked us, they said, would we be able to stitch shawls, pray over these shawls, and send them to Ukraine? So it was such a fascinating thing to see. These women came together, and, and for a couple of weeks in a row, they made these shawls. They, stick these, they sticked these shawls in boxes that were shipped over to Ukraine, and somewhere in Ukraine today, as that country fights the war, there are Shawls from Holy Stitches from First Pres Orlando wrapped around men and women as they're praying, as they experience the war. And we're talking about women over the age of 75 in Orlando 
believing that they still have a role to play, that they still have a gift to use regardless of how old they are. But through God's grace and through God's love, that group of holy stitches, they were able, even now to this day, to make a difference in the war in Ukraine. Isn't that crazy? So hear me say that no matter how old you are, who you are, where you come from, God has redeemed you to play a role in his body. He's redeemed you to be a part in his body. And if you still have breath, you still have a part to play. So we are made alive by the spirit of God so that we might be part of the body of God so that we might care for one another. Hear the word of the Lord from 1 Corinthians 12. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We were made alive by the spirits of God so that we could be part of the body of Christ so that we might care for one another. Hear the word again from verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Paul repeated that phrase twice to say to the church in Corinth. And I believe if Paul were here today, he would say this to us. We can't look at each other and say, I don't need you. Because the truth is, brothers and sisters, we are hardwired in the image of God to be in community. We are actually hardwired, are you ready for this? To need one another. You see, the opposite of Paul telling the church, you can't say I don't need, are three simple words. I need you. I need you. Here, verse 26 again. If one part suffers... Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Hear Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Hear the words of 1 Thessalonians 5. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. If one part suffers... All the parts suffer with it. And if one part rejoices, all the parts rejoice with it. In my role as pastor of congregational care at First Pres, there are days where we do have to walk alongside some people who are hurting. There are days we walk alongside people who, in a tragedy, has lost a loved one way too soon. And it's hard. And it's heavy. And it's sad and it's heartbreaking. But in those moments when someone is grieving, 
in those moments when someone is carrying a heavy burden, the body of Christ steps up and shows them that they don't have to carry that burden alone. And as painful as it is to walk with someone who is grieving and who is hurting, that pain is matched by the beauty of the body of Christ saying, hey, you know that pain you're carrying? You don't have to carry it alone. You know that heartache you're feeling? I may not be able to understand what you're feeling, but know that I'm going to be here as much as I can, humanly possible, to walk with you so that you're not alone. If one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. But I also love what Paul said. He said, if one part of the body rejoices, we all rejoice. I was a pastor of a small church in a little town in Hardinsburg, Kentucky. Look it up on the map. H-A-R-D-I-N-S-B-U-R-G. And we have a local school system there, smaller community. It's kind of centered around the school. And we came together one time as a staff. And we decided to have what we would call a back-to-school bash. And what we did is we came together and we collected backpacks. Is that what you call them here, book bags? Um, We collected backpacks, book bags. We even collected toiletry items for family members. We cooked out and we had these these two really large water slides. And what ended up happening on this back-to-school bash day is that families and kids would come and the kids would be going down the water slides and the parents would get something to eat. The kids would leave that afternoon and they would get these really cool backpacks stuffed with school supplies. And the moms and dads, many of them who could not afford to go to the grocery store, would leave with a bag full of supplies for their family. And what we would love doing as a staff is we would literally play with the kids, go down the water slides. We had what was called Hardensburg's largest water balloon fight. And in 10 minutes, we got rid of over 3,000 water balloons. And as a staff, we would egg on the kids. In other words, we would provoke the kids saying, you couldn't get us. And the kids would want to come around the staff and they would want to overwhelm us with water balloons. But they didn't know like we would have these like bazooka water guns like ready to go. You know, they didn't know that we would have those and they would come ready to get us with water balloons and water balloons and we would win. We would just overwhelm them with our amazing water guns. Why am I telling you all this? Because it was fun. And if we have the spirit of God in us, not only do we grieve with those who are grieving, not only do we weep with those who are weeping, not only do we carry the burdens of those who are carrying burdens, but we also laugh and we rejoice and we have fun and we celebrate. Why? Because we have something to celebrate. And what do we have to celebrate? We have the spirit of Christ living in us to celebrate. Why do we celebrate that? Because we know that we are no longer condemned. We know that we are no longer overwhelmed by sin. When I see you and you see me, we are a free people. Why? Because sin doesn't own us anymore. Because of the cross of Christ, we are free. And it's free people who can dance. And it's free people who can celebrate. And it's free people who can be full of joy. It's free people who can grieve with those who are grieving. But it's also free people who can rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And if we as a body of Christ are truly showing the joy of the Spirit, I think the world will look at us and they'll want what we have. I think if the world can see us truly embracing and showing the joy of Christ, 
The world can look at us and want what we have. See, I think you can judge the health of a church based on how well they grieve with one another and how well they celebrate with one another. Now, I want to close with this. You heard me say that we are made alive by the Spirit of God to be part of the body of Christ so that we might care for one another. This is us, made alive by the Spirit to be part of the body so that we might care for one another. Now, we might ask, why the emphasis on caring for one another? Why not care for the world first? There's a tension there. I think we're called to do both. I think we're called to care for the world, and we're also care, uh, called to care for one another. And I think the reason that we're called to care for one another first is because if we can't get this right, if we can't take care of the body of Christ, is the world going to look at us as a body and really want what we have? I mean, I work hard to take care of myself. And every morning when we wake up, Tara looks at me and she's like, I am so thankful to be married to you. It's actually the other way around. But think about this. Are we presenting ourselves as a body of Christ where when people look at us, whether it be Carn Money, First Presbyterian Church of Orlando, or a small church in Eastern Kentucky, do people look at us and go, wow, they're beautiful. They're full of joy. There's somebody that I want to be around. And I'm not talking about us as individuals. Yes, that is true. But I'm talking about us as a church. Does the world look at us and go, they're beautiful, they're lovely, they're full of joy. I want to be around them, and I want what they have. We can judge or determine the health of a church by how much they grieve for, with one another, and by how much they celebrate one another. Last thing. I had the opportunity, again, been watching you online. And I thought it was so cool what you guys did before Stuart and Caroline and the kids headed off to the States. I thought it was so powerful that you all came around them. And you celebrated them. And you prayed over them. Why is that powerful? Because you're doing what Scripture says. You're rejoicing with them. You're celebrating them. You're celebrating one another. And Karn Money, my prayer for you is that you are going to be a body. You are going to be an us that the world sees and says, I want to be part of whatever it is they have. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this amazing opportunity to be here this morning at this beautiful church with these beautiful people, people that laugh, people that have fun, the people that understand that we are who we are because of your life, death, and resurrection and because of the spirit inside of us. Lord, may we as a body of Christ present ourselves so that the world looks at us and says, we want what they have. Thank you so much for your life, death, and resurrection. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.